We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and Matt Brooks. And we got some big news today. Steve Nash, new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Before we talk about that, guys, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm really excited about that. Uh, that was a, I'm just happy one of these series is, is starting to swing the other way. We, we just, of course, are coming off uh, the Celtics-Raptors game. Very exciting down the stretch. A nice pass by Kemba Walker. And even prettier. I didn't think we were going to get a prettier pass, but we got one from Kyle Lowry, Nets Twitter's favorite, uh, <laughs> on the inbound. All the way to OG and Anobi in the corner who walked off the court cold-blooded. So I'm happy, man. Some good basketball is always the way to go. Yeah, you got to change that excitement, that hype, to another pretty, pretty, pretty man, Steve Nash. Yes. New Brooklyn Nets head coach. Goddamn gorgeous, man. Goddamn great in a suit. Matt and I, I think, chatted for like five We're minutes drooling. about how the man looks and what he wears <laughs> and how excited we are for that. Um, we're going to do two hours in this pod. We're going to be doing episodes and episodes about uh, Steve Nash, but we're going to dive into this one, lads. Yeah, but before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, where do we start? We start with the fact that Steve Nash 
is the Brooklyn Nets head coach signed on a four-year deal. Uh, I've chatted to Matt a little bit about it. So, Nick, I want to hear your immediate reaction before we, we get to Matt on it. What, how did you react to the news? How did you find out about it? Um, what, did, what were the emotions, the feelings, the reaction? Uh, what do you got? So honestly, embarrassingly enough, I like slept in a little bit today. So I slept into like 1040, which is like really late for me. And I'm all of a sudden I look at my phone. I'm like, yo, what's with all these notifications? Like did a tweet go viral or something pop off? Then I have like text messages and it's like someone actually my fiance te- texted me and she said, Steve Nash, good or bad. And I'm like, what is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, did he do something that did like got him work? on the news? Look, yeah. looking at youtube highlights like yo who is this guy <laughs> <laughs> so i was like all right let me look at this and then i saw you guys in the the dms and i was like yo steve nash is the head coach and i thought back to like the one mention jack and i had of it in the dms was like there was some uh nba reporter i can't remember his name and no Austin offense to him. well uh, let's give him some some yeah, credit yeah, yeah. give him give him props he mentioned Nash as a candidate, but it wasn't a guy we've heard from Woj or Shams or even Mark Stein bringing up Steve Nash. I was like, oh, wow, this is definitely a big surprise. But as you thought about it more, you thought of all the connections there. You know the relationship Steve Nash has with Kevin Durant, and as we looked into it deeper, it looked really, really positive. And then also the relationship Steve Nash had with Sean Marks. And I think you know he's almost the middleman of this partnership between Marks and Kevin Durant. So I think there's a lot of excitement. And honestly, you know, growing up and watching Steve Nash, one of the best basketball minds on the court, one of the best point guards of all time, being part of that Phoenix offense and even some of the offense with Dallas between him and Dirk. I think there's just a lot of excitement. There is a risk too. Like I think as you look into it a little bit deeper, it's a first time head coach, you know, doesn't have much experience and this is a championship or bust situation, but I was excited and, and shocked at the same time. Can we do like a 30 for 30 on this, on Austin Krell for having this scoop? <laughs> I know I, I'm like dead serious. I'm like thinking like, it. should we have him on and be like, Hey, how on earth <laughs> did you just like get this? Cause no one else had this. Pooch didn't have this sham. Sham's got some like report about, I mean, look like good. I mean, this is nothing disparaging about uh, Sham's Tarania, but he got a report about them doing, you know, an interview with Jacques Vaughn, and maybe yeah. it seemed like they were gonna. And then it all turns out through our guy Anthony Puccio, um, that that this whole thing has been decided since March and we're, or May, <laughs> and we're like, okay, well, I just have no idea. But all I know, shouts to Austin Krell. That's that's my biggest takeaway of the day. Good for him. <laughs> Where did the leak come from, too? Like, uh-huh. if the I other guys know. aren't like Woj Shams like you mentioned Pooch and like Mark Stein or even just like a t- even like Jay Williams or somebody you think yeah. would just like give us a little bit of a drop but yo, no like it's like yo Austin do you have a family member in the next organization it's the <laughs> only way like this maybe came up at dinner or something like that when it was like you know thanks I don't whatever like I guess we don't really have any holidays anymore because we're in quarantine <laughs> but whatever like nonetheless it happened on Zoom happened. dinner yeah it's Zoom dinner must have come up <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm, I mean, my reaction, I, I chatted to, to Matt with on, on a different platform for about an hour, just uh, our immediate reactions in the moment and having some time to process about, I don't know, 12 hours later, the, the reaction of shock and surprise in a positive manner is certainly still there. You know, for me, it was, it was, it was a different sort of reaction, a different sort of timing for me, Nick. I sort of was scrolling Twitter, you know, the late night Twitter just before you go to bed, had the office on in the background, you know, a great little episode where they're deciding between the chairs and the, and the photocopier, absolutely awesome episode. And then I sort of see Woj say, Steve Nash. And I'm like, oh, Steve Nash, what's going on here? And then I see a B. I'm like, wait, B? Ah, uh, Brooklyn Nets? 
and it's just my mind is blown it takes so much time to process everything i think that the immediate reaction of of like just intense shock reverberated not just across nets twitter but across twitter in general because as sort of matt was alluding to march may six five six months however long it's been that this has been under wraps it is unheard of and i know that sean marks is normally good at keeping things under wraps but Normally it's like an Alan Crabb, like knee injury or something. Not the freaking <laughs> Steve Nash, one of the most popular NBA personalities, popular former NBA players, and the head coach position. It's, I mean, it's kudos to him because it seems to me that he was a big driver in that. And I guess it leads to me to my quote. And, and Matt, I want to hear your sort of reaction uh, on upon hearing this quote initially. After meeting with a number of highly accomplished coaching candidates from diverse backgrounds, we knew we had a difficult decision to make. In Steve, we see a leader, communicator, and mentor who will garner the respect of our players. I have had the privilege to know Steve for many years, one of the great on-court leaders in our game. I've witnessed firsthand his basketball acumen and selfless approach to prioritize team success. His instincts for the game combined with an inherent ability to communicate with and unite players towards a common goal will prepare us to compete at the highest levels of the league. And I, I shared a tweet with you guys, uh, Woj speaking to ESPN as well. Communication seems to be the real driving force and real driving trait that seemed to stick out to Sean Marks and, and a, a key reason why we see Steve Nash as the new Brooklyn Nets head coach. Yep, I think that's important. I think it's it, Jacques Vaughn. You have to remember when Jacques Vaughn got hired, it was he. It, it felt like we were getting like programmed or something like that with how much he brought up communication. I was like, yeah. is this like subliminal messaging? Like, is this like propaganda? Like, Inception. what's going on here? It's like the culture thing, but even more aggressive now. No, I mean, seriously, though, I was like, what's going on with like this, like talk about communication? Clearly, it's become increasingly important in this last year. There's clearly, and I don't know if it's the stars. I don't know if it's something that Kenny didn't do, but something's happened where they are like, they need communication. Like they need my guess. And this is just me just speculating and just putting two and two together. My guess is that you have two stars. These two stars are, well, A, they haven't been playing, so it's kind of hard to be around the team like that. But you want to make sure you have these guys involved as much as humanly possible, especially with them missing all this time, so that they feel like they're a big part of this team, even if they're not on the court. I think that's a big reason why you've heard that so much. I also think it's very important that you try to encourage as much communication and harmony between the stars and some of the guys that are going to be looked at as role players, because that's the thing, like, you know, you don't want to have your role players feel like they're being taken for granted. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and that's, that's what the, I mean, look, the Nets have been the, the, they've been grooming role players since the stone age at this point. Yeah. I mean, like this, they really have been. So, um, the, you know, they, they want to maintain some of their values, these revitalizations that they've done. Um, but also make sure that they're able to form a culture of winning and superstardom. Yeah, I think, you know, you nailed it, Matt. A lot of those points, I, I could repeat them, but you've already said it. I think communication is so huge for the Nets and what they're trying to do. And you, when you have two superstar players and them wanting somebody they can trust, you know, especially with all the media storylines carried around, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I think Katie had a quote in one of these pieces saying, like, you know, I asked Nash about going to Golden State before I went there, and he was a guy that always kept it real with me. So obviously there's a trust between Kevin Durant and Steve Nash, and that's going to be crucial in making sure it's a guy that's willing to keep it real and tell them when they're not doing something right. And you can only get that level of communication, I feel like, if it's respected. And Steve Nash is obviously one of the most respected NBA players. 
On the communication point, what comes to mind for me, and this isn't Kenny Atkinson bashing, we've both, all three of us have been really big fans of his. But does this, is this a, not necessarily a reactionary hire, but do you think that maybe this is the reason why Kenny Atkinson may have lost uh, the head coaching job? Because we've sort of talked about the fact that, you know, some role players, Torian Prince and, and these other guys are like, they don't know what's after them. They sort of just go up and, and do their thing. Whereas it seems to me, you know, Steve Nash obviously has the history with Sean Marks being former teammates. And, you know, Sean Marks, like the 15th guy on the roster in Phoenix from 06 to 08. Do you think that it's almost uh, just re not necessarily reactionary? I'm trying to think of a better way of phrasing it, I guess, Matt. But what do you think, I guess, of the comparison points between those two uh, head coaches, I guess? You know what, man? Like, I've given every safe answer in the book. <laughs> I really have. I did a radio <laughs> interview when... Uh, when when Kenny was fired and I I just I was in Toronto that weekend so like I wasn't super around I like tried to like fish out a couple texts and figure out what was going on but I was on vacation man like I was I was trying to enjoy a weekend with my girlfriend that didn't end up going all that well obviously because I'm doing radio shows but I'll be honest man like we've had so many months of this and we kind of know everything that happened with Kenny we've gotten every single quote and now we're hearing the stuff from from the from the star players and from Sean, who's making it very clear the communication is big. I'll just say it. It really seems like they needed a guy that Kyrie and KD respected. And I don't want to be like, oh, Kenny is not worthy of superstars' respects. But it's clearly he lost the way at some point. I don't know what happened. It seems like there were roles from, you know, role number one to role number 15. Because Rodian's Corks was just as excited when uh, Kenny Atkinson got fired. Like, for whatever reason, he really lost the locker room, and I think it really was a big thing for them to feel like, hey, we need to get everybody on the same page. You know what's a really great way to get everybody on the same page? Bring the guy in that is going to be every single player's, and this is becoming an older team, but every single one of these guys' heroes or somebody that they played against and have fond memories of playing against. Like, this is a guy that is a basketball legend absolute legend that's a great way to do it that repairs anything man i'm excited i want to go to the barclays i'm like yo like give me this vaccine i'm trying to go to the barclays <laughs> like let's go i'm i want to go i i would love to be in a scrum and do something with with steve nash steve nash man steve one of the nash. huge reasons i love basketball like i don't know man i that side of it i just can't stop feeling excited about i mean yeah i don't know and I think just touching on the communication stuff, I think it goes to with respect. And I also think like maybe Kenny wasn't an elite communicator. Like there's like Jack mentioned the whole thing with Torian Prince. We saw D'Angelo Russell talk about, you know, Harris LeVert after he had the 50 point game. I know we, he didn't play much for the Nets, but Kenneth Fareed after he left said that like Kenny Atkinson never really told him what his role was going to be. And then maybe there was some bad blood between him and DeAndre Jordan. And not the fact that DeAndre was coming off the bench, but maybe that Kenny didn't communicate it to him in the right way or the proper way. And that kind of, hurt that relationship between them and Katie and Kyrie. And like you said, Matt, Steve Nash is just Steve Nash. Like he's this big icon in basketball. He's a guy's one MVP, one of the most unselfish basketball players of all time. And it was part of some of the most fun offenses you'll see on an NBA court. I think there's just a lot of hype with it. And he's just going to be able to kind of, to be honest, teach Katie and Kyrie more things. Maybe Kenny could have taught them the same things, but they would have maybe not wanted to listen because it's not Steve Nash. Well, also, Kenny, like, the thing with Kenny is he, like, he never really, like, he was still making the same mistakes, like, 
through this year. Like when he was keeping Karras out of the game, I've had some time to really think about some of this. I'm like, yeah, I just like, there's certain things with him that like he never really grew out of. And I just think like, you know, I think that's kind of why they went the fresh new head coach. It's like, let's bring somebody in where they kind of, we don't know their flaws. We don't really know what they are. And like, let's groom them along with us because let's be honest, like part of me thinks, okay, this is super risky to bring in a new head coach along with a new team and two guys that are coming off huge injuries, both of them who could be injury risks in the future. And then a roster that doesn't completely make sense. Like, yeah, that's, that kind of sounds a little bit like a recipe for disaster. At the same time, you're building something together. You all come in day one. You're all going to have this fresh, like new elation. I mean, I, I just, I, I mean, I hope they have a media day. Like, that's going to be fun. I, I don't know. Just like all these little things, it's going to be like, it's just going to feel like a really new, fresh start. I, I don't a know. lot of positive vibes going around. They're just like, Matt, you can hear the excitement in Matt's voice, but I could only envision it for what the players are like, knowing who they're going to be working with. Yeah, like, man. Like you mentioned, like a lot of these guys grew up idolizing Steve Nash or seeing his game and what he can do on the court and watching that offense. I think that's like another factor. Like that was super fun to watch and exciting and so many players who wanted to play with Steve Nash. So in some way, what is he going to do offensively? How exciting and fun is that going to be for the players on the court? I guess you could all say that we are buzzing. Oh, <laughs> on that, on that, uh, let's quickly move on from that terrible, terrible part. Great name for podcasts as well. Shout out to Nick Fay for coming up with that. Um, let's get to the man himself and the quote that he provided in a statement. Um, and I will also say, shout out to Nolan Jensen and all Canadian legends out there. This is for you guys as well. This hiring is for you. So shout out to our guy, NJ. He's an absolute legend. Uh, in a statement released by the Nets, Steve Nash said, I am honored to have this opportunity with such a first-class organization. I would like to thank Sean, Joe, and his wife, Clara, for having faith in my ability to lead this team forward. Coaching is something I knew I wanted to pursue when the time was right. And I'm humbled to be able to work with, this out, with the outstanding group of players and staff we have here in Brooklyn. I'm as excited about the prospects of the team on the court as I am about moving to Brooklyn with my family and becoming impactful members of this community. Mm. Music to my ears, Mr. Brooks. We, we talked about how much we want uh, Steve Nash to go full hipster. I'm going to bring it up on here because <laughs> yes. I thought it was, it was a good segment. Like, it really was. It's probably the best part of that segment on uh, over on Locker Room, uh, which was fun to do earlier today. Um, look, man, like, I want him to go all in with the Brooklyn thing. Like I want, I want everything. I want the uh, the Wayfair sunglasses. I want the beanies in the summer. Um, I want him to only drink his coffee if it's <laughs> poor. You know what I mean? Like I want him. I want to go to a thrift store and see him there trying on. Um, I don't know, ironic band tees and stuff like that. Like I want, I want the full Steve Nash experience. I'm excited for him to live in Brooklyn. There are people that live in Brooklyn that are in the league that, you know, just. Are they seem to love it? JJ Redick seems to absolutely adore it here. It's an amazing place to live. I I, I love living in Brooklyn, so um, I'm excited, man. Just like hearing that level of excitement for somebody like Steve Nash, who has really been all over the world as a basketball player and has, you know, he's lived in Los Angeles, he's lived in Phoenix, he's just he's been all over the place. And for him to to a pick Brooklyn, but b to lock in like this and really get acclimated with with the area itself. I think he's going to like it, and um, I, I just think, I don't know, man. Like, after these last eight hours, like, some of the worries I've had, they just kind of are going to the wayside, and that, that that you know, that basketball fan in me that that really fell in love with this sport, that fell in love with guys like Dirk and, and Kevin Garnett, and then Steve Nash, I mean, 
I just can't get over it. I can't, I can't tone that part down. I don't know. <laughs> and I think he definitely is going to love Brooklyn. And I think he's already has a lot of things going on in New York city from like charity soccer events to, I think he owns partially owns a bar in like Manhattan or whatever it might be. But just looking at the other part of the quote, when the time was right. And I thought uh, Sean Marks mentioned this on the podcast with Woj earlier that actually Steve Nash approached him about putting his, you know, his name yeah. in the bunch and wanting to be one of the candidates for this job. So him wanting the job, wanting to be in Brooklyn, I think it's obviously a great thing. Obviously, every head coach is going to want whatever job they get. There's only 30 in the NBA. But it just felt like this was a great situation for Nash that he really wanted to get into coaching at this point. And he knew the situation being the pressure that would be there. But he also knew the relationship he had with Kevin Durant and probably felt that could make things a little bit easier for him. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at articles over the past sort of five years or so from since he sort of made his way to Golden State and beyond. And the priority for him was elsewhere. It was within his family. And yep. now, you know, you can hear through that, hear, see, read, whatever you want to say about that, those comments and, and then that statement about the fact that, you know, he wants his family to become a Brooklyn family, you know, and it, it's it's stuff that you just love to hear. And I guess we'll probably get to a bit more of that um, interview on the Woj Pod with Sean Marks. And uh, Matt, I'll get you to respond to some of these quotes as well as you, Nick. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national treasures like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Spending, a, and this is from Marks himself, spending a year with Kevin and Kai. I love that we're now called Kyrie Irving Kai. I'll oh, just a little sign note. I'm loving that. I need some Kai t-shirts that like Cobra Kai or something <laughs> like that. Give it to me. Give it to me, please. Uh, spending a year with Kevin and Kai for the most part sideline, it allowed me to strike up a relationship and a rapport with these guys, Marks told Woj. We had a lot of conversations when I was watching practice or post game or over the summer and leading into the playoffs as to what we should be looking for and what we need. Both expressed they wanted high character they wanted a great communicator and they wanted somebody who they would respect like our guy matt was saying i mm. think we hit the nail on the head with a higher like steve mr brooks did you uh tell uh, sean marks to say that no i'm mm. i'm looking really uh prophetic right now um no i i uh wow that's interesting dude sean marks is so good at this man why is he he is so good at every single gm i just i have to i let me i don't i'm not like a i think people know i'm not like a a nets fan by heart or anything like that but man I, let me stand over sean marks real quick he's taken 
every he rebuilt with no picks. He has figured out a way to put guys in positions to succeed that had previously not been succeeding in this league. I mean, we can point to the classic, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris's, but even the David Nawabas like we saw last year, um, and and some of the older guys like Damari Carroll. And now he has two superstars, and it seems like he's he's finding a way. I I honestly, I honest to God thought they were going to go with like a Mark Jackson or somebody like that that one of these guys respected because. Blah, blah, blah. They had a nice conversation with them or whatever, like something like that. And no, he finds somebody that comes in. I'm legitimately excited for Steve Nash. I think a lot of people should be. He's a very great basketball mind. And you know what? They've actually found a way to insulate him with Jacques Vaughn, who I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit later. Yep. But they found a way to make this work for all parties involved. Oh, and by the way, the owner that wanted to make a splashy move. Yeah, we also appeased him as well because we just brought in, oh, I don't know one of the top 40 players ever as a head coach. So I don't know. Bravo, man. He's he's just so good at this. And this is a new stage for him. Um, I'm curious to see how he fills out the rest of the roster because I think that's the final piece for Marks. That's like yeah. the, the big boss level at the end of the video game. Um, but I think everything else he's done has been excellent. Yeah, he's killed it. I mean, this obviously there is still some risk here, but like Matt hit on the points, the, the check marks are there. You know, the relationship he's going to have with Kevin Durant and Kyrie, the relationship he has with Sean Marks. Sean Marks still has a hold of this thing. Joe Sy getting what he wants and making the big splash move in Steve Nash. I just feel like there's a lot of reasons to really love what's happening. And in some ways, it felt like the best possible scenario that wasn't Greg Popovich that no one has thought of. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that I said that I I would bring a a Kiwi New Zealand accent to this podcast. But out of respect (laughs) for the man himself, I'm not. I'll leave the the poor American accents um, to that last episode. Maybe I'll bring it in the future. We shall yeah, bring see. Bring it back. We'll uh, we'll get the people what they want. Uh, slide into the DMs at the J Man JVT if you want you want to hear that again. I definitely will not. Be that. that is for sure. But in saying that, we will. If you get... buy a T-shirt, he'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Man, if you donate to uh, a Black Lives Matter charity or something, and you show me that screenshot, you know I'll give as many horrible accents as you want. So yeah. don't worry about. It. Or if you, you just signed up to vote, then, you know, anything, you're doing anything cool uh, for social justice, as our guy Steve Nash is. I'll get to a quote about that later. But let's get to the Jacques Vaughn side of things, as Matt was sort of alluding to. I'll give you guys a, a couple of quotes here. And this is from uh, Sean Marks. We are thrilled to retain Jacques as a great name, by the way. For those that don't know, my full name, J-A-C-Q-U-E, is also Jacques. So it's just great to have awesome Jacques in the world. Uh, We are thrilled to retain Jacques as a leading member of our coaching staff. Jacques has been an integral part of our program and a key contributor to the growth and development of our entire organization. His role in developing our players both on and off the court and his influence driving our culture have been invaluable. Our players will benefit from the continuity of Jacques' presence and we are extremely fortunate to keep him in our Nets family. Additionally, Sean Marks also said that one of Nash's requirements was that Jacques Vaughn would be beside him. He said, I want to do it, but I have seen how Jacques coaches. I know the person. I look forward to getting to know him better. All of this is just making me so happy, Matt. And I guess it brings me to what you sort of put out on Twitter and sort of uh, put out into the ether about this sort of co-coaching model. As a teacher who's part of a team teaching school, I'm all about co-educational models, my friend. Give it to me. Where did this come from? Where's the idea sprung from? 
Um, I don't know why I thought of that. I think part of it was like I I am inherently a worrier, and I have to uh, <laughs> thank my lovely mother for that one. Um, <laughs> we're we're a bunch of warriors in this family, so the first thing I think of outside of like, wow, oh my god, Steve Nash is like, okay, so what could go wrong? Um, so I think that once I saw that Vaughn was going to be involved, and they paid him out almost as if he's. I don't know what the exact value is. I, I don't know if that's that value is out there, but they're paying him almost like he's a, oh, I don't know, maybe a co-head coach. So He's the lead, apparently, according to Woj, he's the highest compensated uh, assistant coach in the league as of that reporting. So, And I, right. I, I think we chatted a little bit. it's not an accident. It. No, exactly. It was a deliberate move, and I, I love it. Sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 totally. I, I'm happy you, you've you've given me a little more than that. I didn't, I didn't give the people too much there. Um, yeah, so not like in terms of being an assistant coach, he's now the highest paid assistant coach. I don't think that's an accident. I think that for Steve Nash, A, to recognize, hey, I'm coming into a destination where it, the expectations are there right away. Like this isn't him taking over and like I know we can point to Steve Steve Kerr as like the classic example, but for as many Steve Kerrs as there are, there's a bunch of guys that have really struggled early on and just sort of not quite understood the speed of the game. And for some guys, that just means they don't get a second chance at all. I mean, Jason Kidd kind of wore his welcome out in Milwaukee on his second chance, and that was pretty much it. Mark Jackson hasn't coached since. So um, I think he recognized, hey, there are going to be certain things that I'm going to be awesome at. I'm going to be awesome at connecting with Kyrie and KD. I'm going to be awesome at knowing the game and instinctually knowing the game. Now, you can know the game up here, and I'm pointing to the top of my head. You can know it in your brain. Audio platform, Matt. Come on, Matt. You're doing all these video streams. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) You can know it in your brain, but that doesn't mean you can know it in terms of drawing it out on the uh, clipboard or something like that. So there's all these little things that I think is going to be a little bit of an adjustment. And I'll tell you right now, for Steve Nash, who does so much of this stuff instinctually, where it's like he finds the extra man, and it's like some of that stuff he might not even realize that it's extraordinary that he can do that. And he might have to to, to sit back and be like, hey, I need to explain why if I pass to the, you know, whatever, if I, if I hand off to somebody and then I cut around this guy and then I receive it, it's actually going to trigger some other action on the other side of the floor. So I think for him it's a good sign with Steve Nash saying, Hey, I want to keep Jacques Vaughn. In fact, I'm not taking this job unless I have this guy here. So we can work through these things and we can work through like, Hey, when should I call a timeout? When should I make this adjustment? Which guys do you think play together? Well, all these little things that come with, to be completely frank with you, experience and feel and just overall confidence as a head coach. Cause God damn, do you have to be a confident son of a gun to do that job? I mean, with the job security, uh, all of that stuff, I think it comes with bringing in somebody that's done it before. And that is what Jacques Vaughn has done. He did it in the bubble. And I think that this is a very, very shrewd move by Steve Nash to ensure that he's working with a guy like that. Yeah, not only does it give you know Nash someone to lean on, like Matt said, that has the experience, the feel for the game, but he also has a relationship with all the other players in the team that maybe Nash doesn't know, or some of the terminology that's going to come over, or the different things the Nets have done in the past and how they can connect one and two or one, two, three, or whatever it might be. And just having that guy around to lean on consistently, I think it's going to make Nash's life that much easier, and it's going to alleviate some of that pressure. And there's already going to be a ton of pressure playing in New York, and I think Nash is a super confident guy. You're not an MVP level player unless you are but still having Vaughn there is just going to make everything a little bit smoother 
Oh, absolutely. I think that Jacques Vaughan, in terms of you know communication, communication is seems to be a, a real sort of component that is going to drive the success of this Brooklyn Nets organization on and off the floor. And, and I think that having that experience, like you sort of mentioned, surrounding himself with key experience figures is 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 what Steve Kerr did in in uh, in Golden. Well, has Steve, what Steve Kerr has done in Golden State and is likely. I mean, we'll see the sort of filling out of the roster. Uh, the assistant coaching roster, the head coaching roster um, in, in days to come. But guys, I guess in saying that, uh, let's get to the wild, salacious news of the fact that Steve Kerr wanted Dirk Nowitzki to be an assistant coach. Matt, <laughs> my brain could not handle that. Thankfully, I mean, maybe not thankfully or thankfully for my brain's lack of explosion combustibility. I'm not sure. But what when you saw this, uh, how did you react to, you know, Imagine Steve reuniting the, the Dallas days into in Brooklyn. Uh, oh. What was your reaction, my friend? Um, I don't think I would have been able to handle that, Like to be completely honest with you. So the day that Dwayne Wade retired, he also retired on the same day that Dirk retired. Um, and I, Was that last year? When was that? Yeah. I, I'm right about that, right? Yep, so, yep it was. So, so I was actually – they were playing the Nets, I think, on that same night. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I watched the Dirk game over that even though i cover the nets even though i care i, I like d wade i have respect for d wade um another guy in in dirk that i just i don't know i just like i i love him i love his personality he's like the he's a great twitter follow but just overall like he came into this league he wasn't sure if how he felt about even being in the league being away from home and then as he sort of got more and more comfortable over the years you find out he's actually a really funny guy and he's really charismatic. He was loyal to Dallas. Just one of those guys. I I just really love Dirk, man. And I think that if that had been involved, um, I don't know what I would have done. Like, I really, I, I think they wouldn't have, they, they would be like, we cannot credential this guy. Like, he's like, he's like <laughs> drooling over these coaches. Like, get this guy away from everybody. <laughs> I mean, it just would have been nuts if they got Dirk, too. It just would have been, like, so much star power on the bench and then on the court, just all these big names playing in New York. Like, it would have been huge. I mean, it could still, I guess, happen down the line. Dirk wasn't I hope interested it does. at the moment, but maybe another year of retirement he's feeling when he wants to get closer to basketball. Yeah, and, I mean, we've sort of seen them hanging out and stuff as well. Um, I, I mean, it's – I was, again, my the combustibility of my brain would not have been able to take that but. Guys, I wanted to get to some more quotes uh, from an awesome, awesome piece from Mark Spears. And, you know, when we touched on the, the Kevin Durant not uh, heading into the bubble, it was, again, Mark Spears uh, was the man who, who reported that. So he's been doing some fantastic reporting at ESPN and the Undefeated. So, guys, uh, react to this how you will. Matt, uh, the, the why is that I love to teach. I love to learn. I love being a part of a team and building a team. I love to compete. It has all the ingredients in terms of satisfying growing as a person, leading a team and a group of people, learning from the people in the game, being part of an organization and a culture, and then competition. Those are the ingredients that excite me and put me in a position to be thrilled to take this opportunity. Mr. Brooks, uh, again, music, ears. Music too, ears. Uh, yeah, music, music. The music is coming into the ears right now. I'm, I'm hearing the music right now. Uh, no, I mean, like, I... Uh... I don't know. I, I just, I think as much as like, uh, you know, he's going to try to teach a lot of things. And like, you, you can talk about the guys. We did, we did talk about this a little bit earlier about the guys that are going to benefit. Like you look at, I mean, if you want to just look at positionally, like Kyrie Irving could really benefit from a little bit of 
a little bit of uh, Steve Nash seasoning, maybe a little things that he doesn't see. I thought he was a good passer this year. Um, maybe there's those extra reads that he's going to suddenly be making after a little bit of time with Steve Nash. Uh, I don't know. I don't, that stuff is kind of hard to tell. I can never tell if, if, if that stuff happens organically, especially with passing, um, or if that's just something that people can teach you that. I'm, I don't know. But, um, but I think for as much as he's ready to teach, I think what I like about Steve Nash is I feel like he's got a great sense of humility and like he's every single time I love like anytime he's on a podcast, I'm going to listen to it every time he does stuff with Bill Simmons. I'm like that. I need to listen to this right now. Like yeah. he, he is just such an entertaining listen. And it's not because he's whatever. He, he's a guy that I liked watching. He has a great sense of humility and you can just tell he's a, a just a chill dude. I, and that sounds stupid, but like that really matters. Like you really want a guy that people just automatically like. I've never met Steve Nash. I don't know two things about Steve Nash outside of his playing career, but just listening to him, I'm like, yeah, this is a really cool guy that I think is down to earth and that stuff resonates with players. And um, I think that the thing on humility that I, I brought up just a second ago is he's going to be able to learn from the team. I don't think he's going to come in with an ego. I think if they make mistakes or if they come out the gate slow, um, he's going to learn on the go, I, I would assume. But that's that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think he's definitely a humble guy. I think a lot of the, like that quote to me kind of just screamed leadership, like being part of a team, leading a team, a group of people and like wanting to learn and understanding that he's not at the highest possible peak he can be at. Like Matt kind of mentioned, he can learn from the players and taking that next step. I think it's just a lot of positive stuff. It, it feels like so weird that we're so optimistic, all of us on this, but it just feels like everything is so positive based off of the quotes and everything that Jack is throwing at us. Yeah, I mean, in future episodes, uh, we, we're diving deep already, but I think in future episodes we can look at this hiring from different angles, including what could be the negatives to it. But let's live in let's live in the positive for, for now, guys. And uh, I guess from that quote as well, to take another thing from it, you know, you, you're talking about the humility there, Matt, and you're echoing that as well, Nick. But competition, I yeah. think that this guy he wants to succeed. He wants the highest level uh, of success, and and it's going to drive that. And we know how competitive he is. You know, he is he's a dude. Like he no matter you know, don't don't look at just this short Canadian white guy and who makes some flashy nice passes. The man has a competitive flame and desire that few others do have. You know, that he they wouldn't have he wouldn't have had the long career, he wouldn't have had the success that he did have, two MVPs, if that drive for competition certainly wasn't there. So that's something that stuck out to me as well, as much as the sort of humility and, and willingness to learn and, and all those sort of great things as well. But uh, I guess sort of harking back to the fact of his desire to, to coach, he told this to, to Spears as well. The coaching itch was always there. In a way, I kind of kept it to myself to give me the freedom of not being on the radar of coaching expectancy. A bit opposite to our guy Jason Kidd and Mark Jackson. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I've always known in the back of my, my mind that I'd love to do it, but what was holding me back in many ways was my family. I just really wanted to preserve that time with my kids that I've earned from the good fortunes of playing professional basketball and have as big of an impact on their lives as I can. When I, what, I, what I realized as well is this is a family move and a family decision. It checks all the boxes in terms of pursuit and passion for me. 
But for my kids to see another part of the world in a historic city like Brooklyn is a great opportunity for my family too. You learn from travel. You learn from change. Being pushed into a new environment and taken out of your comfort zone. Uh, Matt, uh, copy and paste. Uh, music is, music is, music too is. <laughs> uh, you really could tell that Mark Jackson wants to coach still. I, I could never tell by the fact that he brings it up on every single broadcast he does, his former coaching days. Um, no, I mean... Dude, I, I so look, this is the one quote I'm going to push back on a little bit because I genuinely, I don't know, I don't obviously know him personally, but I, <laughs> it, it kind of seems like, I don't know, like a, an explanation after the fact, like maybe he really was trying to be shrewd with it. That's like kind of a weird <laughs> like thing to do is just like, I don't know, like come up with like a big, like, I don't know, pull the, the curtain over everybody and then actually do want to coach. So I don't know if I believe that all the way. Um, I, I think there's a chance he genuinely didn't want to coach, but as it turns out, he's actually really close to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is on a team that outside of the Celtics, I think has a pretty easy route to the finals, right? Like, I don't know who's really going to be opposing them next year. Um, I guess the heat as well, but I mean, right now looking at it, it's like, this is a pretty home run gig. It was kind of weird. Like I, I, I mean, maybe it's just because like we didn't, they, they'd already made the decision of going with, of, you know, a Steve Nash, but for them, like they, I didn't feel like guys are like drooling over this job. So that kind of tells me like, maybe you guys already kind of knew that this guy was already in there for this job. And that actually explains a little bit of the loose stuff with all these Philly rumors. It's like, wait, why is Ty Lue picking the team with Tobias Harris and Al Horford and like no, no wiggle room at this point? It's like, oh, it's because they've already made their decision. So um, I, I don't know. I, I like it, and I'm happy he's happy to go to Brooklyn. Uh, and, if, and if he did do that with the diversion, then respects to him because that's very sneaky. But I don't know about that. <laughs> I feel like he probably did it more so in like, hey, I don't want to – I want a coaching job that I actually want in like the right situation, all the cards kind of aligned. And maybe he didn't want to be an assistant coach. Maybe yeah. he did. He wanted like the freedom of being a, a player consultant for the Warriors, which is like he wasn't even there every single day. So it was kind of like he could probably go when he wanted to and he didn't want that full workload. And then he got to spend more time with his family. Then he still had that competitive itch like Jack was mentioning earlier that like he just seems like a guy that wants to take that next step and like challenge himself. And he felt like this is just the right situation for him to do that. I think if he didn't get this next job, like we easily could have seen Steve Nash, you know, a few years down the line, take another job that wasn't the Nets. Maybe this one just made him speed up the process due to the relationship with KD. Yeah, like I could imagine in a, in a hypothetical universe, multiverse, whatever you want to call it, like Rick Carlisle decides to end his days in Dallas and yeah. Luke is heading into his prime and he's just like, Steve, you want, you want to take over this, mate? It could be a bit of a fun <laughs> game taking care of uh, this little young phenom. So, yeah, I, I certainly see that. And I can see it from, from Matt's side as well in terms of an element of skepticism. Like, really? Are you, are you saying that for the sake of saying it or are you truly meaning it? I, I think that there's definitely probably a bit of part A and part B to it, but... You know, I, I feel I like love... teams would have been like, oh, Nash, come on our staff and be an assistant coach. Like, I yeah. think they would want that basketball mind, and especially because we've seen so many point guards transition into NBA head coaches. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like, if you ask me if I could have Nash as an assistant coach, if I was a head coach and like I had a young point guards in my team, I absolutely would say yes. Even if I had veteran point guard like Kyrie Irving, there's still things he can learn. So I think Nash would have had to do something maybe that he doesn't necessarily want to do to the highest extent. And this is more of a controlled situation where he he has so many, you know, uh, 
aspects in his favor from Sean Marks to Kevin Durant, because I think we can't forget how good of a relationship Sean Marks and uh, Steve Nash do have. Cause uh, Sean Marks on the podcast said like, we are yeah. very good friends. It's not like he said, we're friends and we have a relationship. He made it seem like they're very close. I mean, it sounds like the relationships are strong as us three, you know, always in the DM sharing gifts. <laughs> you reckon they've got like a WhatsApp chat where they're like, imagine the memes. I reckon that they'd share, share like these inspirational memes and like these. John Marks just posts. shares all Steve Nash's TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we will get that maybe in a future episode. Uh, do not spoil any future topics. Uh, we'll get, I guess, to probably a, a lot of the stuff that everyone's probably wanting to hear about that in, in depth a bit more about the relationship with KD and Kyrie. And, and, and how that sort of uh, came to fruition. One thing I will say is, if you haven't seen the video that I've posted on my Twitter, scroll a little down the t- in the time at the J-Man JBT, you will see Steve Nash working one-on-one with the post moves of, of Kevin Durant. And also you'll see him shooting one-legged uh, free throws. That is uh, apparently due to a bit of research that I did because he had this little bit of a hitch in his shot. And Steve Nash saw it, one of the great shooters a historical near 50-40-90 guy. So if you're going to trust anyone, you trust that guy's shot and helped him, you know, fix it essentially. And so when you're trusting someone of the ilk of that, and I guess uh, we'll get to, to the quote from him. We both love the game of basketball, talking about Kevin Durant. We've got a bond over me in a sense being a teacher and a pupil through the years. It dates back to when I was finishing my career and we work out together and working in with the Warriors. I think that there is a trust, a commonality, and a language between us when it comes to the game that has developed over time. That definitely is important. He's one of the greatest players I've ever seen, and to have his confidence is really important. Um, I mean, I'll get to some more quotes about how he's sort of seen his injury and, and the recovery there, but uh, Matt, how is this the number one reason why Kevin Durant... Is, oh, not Kevin Durant. Why Steve Nash is the head coach of the... Brooklyn Nets, or is it the Sean Marks relationship? What do you think is a bigger driving force? Mm, oh man, that's that is a that's a million dollar question. I feel it? like it's almost connected. Like I said, yeah. earlier, like I feel like the fact that it's just a perfect situation that you know Marks has a great relationship with Nash, KD has a perfect relationship with Nash, and then it's kind of like meeting in the middle. Yeah, I think that it would be in this situation. I just want to know who came to who with the recommendation. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And it might not. I mean, this is ultimately like probably a pretty stupid thing to like spend too much of my life dwelling over. But I've unfortunately that's the thing I'm like coming away with the most because otherwise it's just me getting excited and probably a little too overly excited for Steve Nash and and, in me fantasizing about being in a a crowd of people surrounding him. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Breathing on him and stuff like that. Like all this weird stuff. So um, I'm I'm, I'm going deep with this. No, I mean like, uh, yeah, I just like, I, I think like the, the, the thing for me is like, I don't know where it came from, but I have to assume it's KD, right? Like I just, because of, I mean, look, Sean Marks has worked with a lot of people at this point. Like, he just has, and he's been around a lot of really integral teams and players as both a player and as an executive. But I think that Durant specifically really connected with Nash. Mm. Like, just in a way that he's a little reserved as a human being, and he's either said that or he's made it abundantly obvious. I remember at Media Day, like, it was weird because he's – he comes in there and you kind of expect Kevin Durant to come out there and like take questions and 
and uh, and just overall like be this like superstar figure and like embrace the new era in Brooklyn. And he's kind of slouched in his chair, like shy. Like it was just a really weird thing to watch. I'm like, wow, this guy like really as great as he is on the basketball court. Like I don't know if he's like this crazy, not people person, but I don't know, like entertainer in a lot of ways. And then you know, so so that's a situation where a guy like that when he builds a connection with somebody, it means a lot. I have people like that in my own personal life that they're pretty shy in group settings, but when they get to know somebody, that that bond goes extra deep, man. So so I think that that is like something where I look at that and I'm like, I, I do sort of gravitate toward it being from KD. Yeah, it's really tough to say. I almost feel like maybe it's from Nash. Like maybe Nash is like asking Marks to, to put his name in the hat and be an option. Maybe, I just feel like there's so many different things correlated because if let's say... Um, Sean Marks isn't the GM. Like, are we so sure that, you know, Steve Nash would be the coach? Like, I just think they're, it's just like all kind of correlated. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that the way things were set up and how things could line up and how it all could work out great with the relationships that are already in place from prior things, it just made it all make sense. Where I think if there was other factors that I don't know if Steve Nash would be the guy, especially being a first-time head coach without the nod from Sean Marks. So it seemed like based off of some of the reading I've done and listening to the podcast that Marks went to Joe Sy a little bit like, you know, this is my guy. Like, I'm putting a word in for him too. Yeah, there seems to be quite a wonderful three-way, four-way symbiosis <laughs> to it all in, mm. in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think that, you know, the, the, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know, the chicken, the egg, which one came first? Uh, you know, if you're looking at purely the tenure of the relationship, like sort of uh, Nick alluded to a little bit, Sean Marks has known, you know, uh, Steve Nash for 15 years nearly, 06 to 08 on Phoenix Suns on the same roster. You know, fifteenth guy, and and the and the relationship, the the friendship was built there. The relationship international began, ball against each other too, I believe. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and Steve Nash, when it comes to Kevin Durant, their relationship began in 2014, as sort of Nick touched on a little bit as well. You know, consulted him when he was make, thinking about making the move to Golden State, and then they've had workouts. We've seen pictures already floating around Twitter. Um, from years ago with Kalsavert, Sean Kilpatrick, Kevin Durant being trained by or being coached by in some form or other, working out with Steve Nash. So, I mean, there's so many different factors with that. So I think that, yeah, it, it they're all correlated in some weird way. And, you know, uh, Zach Lowe also had a piece about it, you know, from tw 2018 about Steve Nash. And, you know, it, there's just, there's so many factors that, that come into account in that. So um in in this sort of sense you know i'll, I'll throw a, a quote from that piece before we get back to the mark spears one at you matt durant told steve nash the warriors consulted as much when he called from the hamptons it's not about championships nash remembers durant saying this is about challenging myself and learning new things that answer for me is beyond reproach it sounds a little bit like the answer that steve nash was given about this book on that head coaching position what's the quote i'm sorry repeat that one more time i i, I want to make sure i got all of it right there was yeah, a little yeah, bit absolutely Absolutely. It's not about championships. This is Durant to Nash. Okay. Nash remembers Durant saying, this is about challenging myself and learning new things. That answer for me was beyond reproach. So it seems to Ooh, me that the, about the challenge and the, the learning new things, a lot of similar, uh, a lot of similar notions that have been shared uh, in Steve Nash upon the hiring of, of, of the Brooklyn Nets head coach. So he's basically saying like the the championship, it's more than a championship, right? Is that kind of it? I feel like I'm not like fully getting yeah, it. <laughs> I think KD pretty much was saying that like, yeah, the championships are amazing. But for me, it's still also about like, like how process? much better can I get? Like where, mm. how, where else can I grow? See, 
See, this is where I like Kevin Durant a lot because I, I there's certain times where I'm like I don't necessarily agree with what Kevin Durant's doing or he's doing some things, and other times I love everything about Kevin Durant. Um, but this is one of these situations where I genuinely think, and I I don't think he's being fake or anything along the lines of this of him genuinely being a basketball purist. Like I think he almost to a fault, and I think it's defined his career a lot, is he wants the perfect basketball process. He is out, I wrote an article probably, God, this must have been a year and a half ago, about Kevin Durant and kind of what his journey is and just me trying to understand him a little bit more as a person. Because even now, I don't feel like I quite understand him. I just don't quite understand what makes him tick. I think one of the things is this basketball purist, this the perfect process, things need to be done a certain way. It's not even about, you know, if a championship is won or not. He's not, you know, I I think he wants basketball to be a certain way. It's why he left Westbrook. I think actually probably playing with Westbrook may have left a huge imprint on him because say what you want about Westbrook, I don't think Westbrook plays basketball the perfect way. If anything, he's a pretty volatile player to play with. He's very, very good at basketball, but he's anything but a process player. It's not a beautiful game. It's a, a game of brute force. So that plays into his decision. He goes to Golden State. Maybe there were certain things I think he liked about that journey of it in terms of basketball purism. But I think in terms of challenges, they were just so much, so much better than the league. And I think that's kind of hard to be in that situation where you're just on the really good AAU team and nobody's even in your class. So now he's still looking for that. He's still looking for that opportunity of the perfect process, the perfect journey, the storybook ending. And I think that for him, part of writing that storybook ending is writing the good meaty chapters leading up to that. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's where I'm at right now. I don't know. Yeah. I tried to go with the depth of that quote and go one step no. deeper there. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel absolutely. like, like that's you, Matt's right on it. I think KD wants to be like the perfect basketball player. I think that every aspect of his game, he wants to kind of push to the highest level. He doesn't want to retire at one point and be like, oh, I left something out there where I could have been a better defensive player. I could have been yep. a better passer. It's like, I want to take the next step and I want to be the most complete basketball player that I possibly can be. And I don't really care what anyone else has to say, but long as I know that I'm maxing myself out, it's like if you're creating my player in 2K and you're pushing all the stats to 99, that's what KD's trying to do in every aspect of his game uh yeah and i will get to another quote from that exact low piece that sort of continues on from what matt and you were saying nick I, I think that the purity of the game the pure love for the game is something that nash clearly has and and mm. i think that that's that, that there's a clear reason why we connect with different people on different levels but you can tell that the pure love for the craft is is, is simply there and this is uh, from the Zach Lowe piece. Um, before we get back to some other quotes, um, we're going to have to split this into a couple of parts, guys. But in, in this quote here, both Kerr and Nash saw the drifting start over the summer after Durant realized his first championship would not complete his life or silence every critic. He didn't work as often with Nash or as productively as was originally pla planned. Nash says this, he didn't have a great summer. He was searching for what it all meant. He thought a championship would change everything and found out that it doesn't. He was not fulfilled. He didn't work out as much as he normally does. So I think that just to, if we were writing an essay about, you know, Kevin Durant right now, that would be the quote that I would put in and would get highlighted and get ticks from my professor or whatever. Mm. It just, it purely <laughs> illustrates the point that you guys have sort of been talking about. But uh, on Steve Nash saying how he has uh, recently sort of seen and, and what he's thinking of Kevin so far, Kevin looks good and feels good from what I'm hearing. 
There's still an adaptation process that he is going through where he is healthy enough to do just about anything. But he's still have to have time to adapt and fortify that recovery. He's going through the process now to create that durability and staying power with his Achilles and under, and withstand the demands of the NBA game and schedule. I mean, listen to these buzzwords. Fortify. Withstand. Yeah. Durability. Adaptation process. I mean, I'm loving... As a basketball nerd, as uh, all three of us are in some form or another, Matt probably even more so, I, I have a feeling <laughs> that uh, the nerdy nature is probably making Matt feel things the way that I feel things about Joe Harris. Well, yeah, me with Steve Nash. Uh, you can't forget that now. <laughs> I've, I've now joined the bandwagon of being uh, uh, stimulated by certain Mets. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean... Uh, explicit I, podcast. Yeah, this is, this is, yeah, we got to put an explicit warning on this. So, no, I, uh, I have to tell you, like, that <laughs> some of those buzzwords, it sounds like... Um, like when you tweet something about uh, something medical and like some random account with like 26 numbers at the end of it will respond and you'll be like, what on earth like does any of that mean? Like, I'm like, how do you know that? Are you a doctor? Who are you also? Like why? <laughs> so, um, so I don't know, like all that stuff sounds good. I, I'm so curious to see if like taking a full, what, like almost two, a year and a half off makes a huge difference for him. Like, does that just give his body full time to recover? Does it gonna hurt because he's actually favoring one leg or he just doesn't have the strength in one leg? I don't know, but I like those buzzwords. They sound good, right? Yeah, and I feel like it also meant that like Katie talks to Nash and like tells him how he really feels. Like I don't think there are a lot of things that you could take in by just watching him. It's more so of like a, a conversation Durant and Nash are having in terms of like how he's feeling and how he's doing out there, or just Nash knowing how K Katie normally looks when he's playing. And I, I think a lot of it, like Kevin Durant, it's like more of a mental game and feeling confident that Achilles coming back. So having a coach that understands that is gonna be huge in terms of pushing him forward too, because you're gonna need some push going against that Achilles and like you don't want to push him too much you don't want to push him too little and get him right to that right level and that can only really happen when you have the type of relationship that it seems like those two guys have yeah that trust is certainly going to be a key driver in, in Kevin Durant becoming the Kevin Durant we know and love uh, I think the one thing that I took away from a lot of those buzzwords and, and that quote in general about Kevin Durant's recovery was the sort of first part there's an adaptation process that he's going through where he is healthy enough to do just about anything he's not there yet and, and I think that he's not there yet because he hasn't played NBA-level basketball, not even practice yeah. games. You know, five-on-fives and scrimmages against Nick Claxton and Theo Pinson are one thing, but doing it, you know, in, <laughs> even, even like, you know, practice and exhibition games in China against the Zhu Ying Dragons or down here against the Melbourne United and Mitch Creek, former Brooklyn Nets legend. Oh, legend. <laughs> How about that for a drop? <laughs> um, Love Mitch Creek. I'm a massive fan as well, massive fan. Make sure everyone checking out Melbourne United, the NBL season starting up soon. Mm. Uh, but in in that respect, you know, I, I think that you guys are hitting all on all of it. You know, the fact that you know he's going to guide the recovery and his return back, and I don't think that there is you know, maybe a better person in terms of mentorship and now head coachship that is going to guide him back in, in in a better way. So that's something that I'm I'm really really excited to see and and how that sort of grows. And I think that will probably get more out of a Steve Nash than we would have out of uh, a Kenny Atkinson. We already have, it seems. You know, Kenny Atkinson would be like, yep, doing okay. Yep, doing okay. The same sort of platitudes, about four million ums in there. I mean, I love it. I was going to say, yo, honestly, the ums would drive me nuts. And I know I do sometimes on the podcast, but like, yo, every time I listen to Kenny, he'd be like, um, uh, uh, Kevin, <laughs> uh, Durant uh, is, <laughs> uh, look, 
He's uh he's not a podcaster. He's a head coach. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You can cut out. You can as long as you're not doing ums on a podcast and on audio platforms. You know the press is. Uh, I'm sure we're hell for Matt when he was there and the press days and such. But you know he came up with some some nice stuff. Let's we've bashed Kenny way too much. We love you, Kenny. Wish you well. I know. Hopefully you're there in Chicago or New Orleans soon enough so we can see you sh- do your thing again. We know that you've got a a large long career ahead of you. Um. Tim Kawakami was on the Glue Guys podcast. Shout out to those guys as well. Mm. Um, awesome Nets content dropping a plenty uh, around the waves. And this is what he said um, when he spoke to Steve Kerr on the relationship that Kevin Durant has with Steve Nash. I think Kevin has a great respect for Steve because he watched him growing up and then played against him late in Steve's career. There's an inherent respect, mutual respect. Um, Matt, respect? Respect, yeah. Respect, bro. Dude, I'm, I'm with the respect. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I feel nice and, and, and good inside about this hire. Uh, I've, I've done my, I did my worry sesh. It, it was, it was a good worry sesh, you know, <laughs> I thought about everything that could go wrong. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing we haven't really touched on too much is Jacques Vaughn, just having that guy there. Like if, if this doesn't go well, like I feel pretty comfortable with Jacques Vaughn running the show. Like, I mean, if this, if it's really like Steve, like if things go horribly and it's like the Nets have decided to move on from Steve Nash at the end of this year or, or even the middle of this year, if it goes really, really poorly, I'm like, Hey, you know what, man? Like you're paying Jacques Vaughn, like a head coach. He can be a head coach. I'll tell you right now, I could point out there might be play, there might be coaches in this playoffs that he's better than. I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, Yeah. Budenholzer. But I mean. They're like, I, I really think he, he could kind of hold his ground against certain certain guys that are coaching in these playoffs. Like, so, I mean, you know what, man? Like, I can sit here and I can play the game of, like, well, you know what? He doesn't have the experience. He doesn't have all this. He has the right certain things for the guys that are, I'll, I think, right now making the decisions, the ownership status, the the general manager in, in Sean Marks and his brain trust. And then also the two stars and probably DeAndre too. DeAndre just seems like a cool dude. He'll be like, yeah, whatever you guys want to do. I'm with that. Like as long as I start. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, so I think that like with all that said, like, yeah, I mean, I feel good about it, man. Like the respect is there and I respect the hire. Yeah. And I feel like Nash gets an extra level of respect given that he wasn't physically like the most dominant player. Like we're talking about a guy that's, you know, like almost, I don't want to say an average human because he's like 6'2", you know, not huge, takes great care of his body, but we're not talking about an explosive athlete, obviously super gifted in terms of vision, passing, and touch, but I feel like that adds another element of respect. Like, this guy is extremely skilled and does everything at the highest basketball IQ level, and automatically people who love basketball, I think, are always attracted to those type of players. So the same thing goes for KD, Kyrie, but also for Sean Marks and even Joe Sy, given some of the personality traits that it feels like Steve Nash has. So just a lot of positive vibes, like I was saying earlier. Yeah, insert hands up respect emoji. I think that uh, <laughs> we can use that a plenty from a lot of the quotes that we've sort of been talking about. Last one I wanted to touch on, and, and it's a great point by Matt. We'll probably dive deep into the Jacques Vaughn stuff even more so in the next pod. But the last thing I wanted to touch on, and I'll give you guys a preview for the next um, the podcast for those listening along at home, was I read, I'm sure you guys read it too, um, And but clearly sometimes when you pick out a screenshot from a piece, it does do a little bit of the rounds. 
the tidbit of Jamal Crawford from Mark Spears' piece that you know we're still yet to dive fully into. Uh, this was uh, one of the quotes from that piece. The Nets return an offensively intimidating roster with Durant, Irving, and guards Carlson and Spencer Dewey. The Nets are also expected to re-sign veteran free agent Jamal Crawford, a source told the undefeated. Is that source Sean Marks, uh, Matt? Is that source Kevin Durant? It seems to me that we're going to see Jamal Crawford on the 2020-2021 Brooklyn Nets. I'm going to hate saying that season for, for It the might just be the days. 2021 season. Yeah, what is it? What do we call it? God, uh, who knows? Who I, knows? Just... <laughs> well, I, it's first off, two things. I, we, uh, I did a stream with somebody, with uh, Salman Ali earlier, who does a lot of Houston Rockets coverage, and we previewed the Rockets-Lakers series, which you can listen to tomorrow, actually, on my podcast basketball and more which i'm terrible at plugging i should get better at plugging things um you can listen to that i i we talked a lot about it one of the things we weren't sure about and i, I know nick you have to get going but um is the what do you call the period between um when the season ended and <laughs> what we have now like it wasn't an off season it wasn't really yeah. pre-season um, pre-off season pre-off season yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things i don't know what it's called um yeah with jamal crawford like if he's a fifteenth man, fine. Like Theo Pinson was a was a fifteenth man. Like I don't think it matters all that much. I mean, if he comes in there and plays, he actually looked fine for the five minutes that he was on the floor against the Bucks. Six I, points, baby. Yeah, like and he was moving the ball. I was like, all right, Jamal Crawford. You could even argue that Jamal Crawford was the reason that the uh, the Nets really showed up for the rest of that bubble. I, I'll write that column. Sure, love that's it. it. Love Six it. Minutes. Those six minutes changed the fate of the Nets. I'll, I'll write it. I mean, give me give me the time, give me the day. But no, nah, man, like I, I thought he, you know, I'm with it. And I think he'll transition probably into a coaching candidate, maybe for Steve Nash. I bet that. Yeah, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. And I feel like he just rubs so many Nets players and so many front office members and just the entire organization in the right way in terms of how he can help players off the court that they just want to keep him around. And having that type of veteran presence, maybe things could have been a little smoother during the season because it feels like there might have been some more hiccups that we didn't know about. And follows friend of the program, Nolan Jensen. So we, we got to get <laughs> our taps there. He's got a couple. Of, she's got more shout outs than Steve Nash in this podcast. I know. Good for him. Good, Good for him. for Canada. <laughs> Great month for Canada. Great month for Canada. Uh, but guys, bef- uh, I will also say that I'm, I'm totally happy to have JC on the roster. You know, I think player assistant, whatever going forward, I think that he has so much wisdom, so much knowledge uh, and so much talent. Uh, to impart on, you know, not just Carol Savelle. We saw that in, in Orlando. But, guys, in the next pod, we'll be reacting to all the other reactions. We'll analyze possible future assistance, you know, who this benefits on the current roster, different opinions. We'll react to theirs. You know, can the Nets win a title? Was he the real right choice? Would we have preferred Greg Popovich? But um, we have got, and we have actually also got listener questions. Uh, let's quickly touch on the listener questions because I want to give those guys their shout-outs. Um, we had, did Ka- Katie and Kyrie have a relationship with Nash earlier than Golden State? Um, I think that it was, they played against each other. There was sort of mutual respect. There's quotes out there about Steve Nash sort of saying how much he respects Kyrie Irving in that respect. Um, so I think that there was somewhat of a relationship, but it's sort of just that mutual respect that, you know, before Golden State, you know, around 14, 15, where Durant and and, and, and Nash sort of hooked up and, and, and linked up in that respect. That's when the, the real strength of the relationship started to, to garner through. Did any of you guys want to want to add on top of that? 
Yeah, I think just like you said, Jack, I think Nash and KD were working out at the end of Nash's career. And I think the relationship started to grow from there and just kind of probably one of those things where they like, you know, hug each other at the end of the game and whisper some words you guys want to train and then it is what it is. And I think that's probably a similar thing for Kyrie, except Kyrie never had that stint in Golden State with Steve Nash. So there's probably a relationship there. I know remember reading something about uh, Kyrie uh, uh, participating in two of Steve Nash's like kickball tournaments or something like that. So you obviously don't do that unless you like the guy. So there's yeah. probably something there. Yep. Um, we'll get to Dwayne's one as well. And uh, Joe, um, we'll get to your one about the assistant coaches on the next pod. But Dwayne, we'll get to his. Maybe this is wishful thinking, but I pro- project what he's going to want to work with CLV before trading him. What do you guys think? Uh, Nick, I've got to get your thoughts on CLV and, and the Nash sort of relationship that could blossom. I mean, he was training with him prior. You mentioned, you know, they yep. had the KD, Karis Avert, and Sean Kilpatrick all training with Steve Nash. So I think we've kind of already talked about it a lot in the show. Like, it doesn't make sense to stay, uh, trade Karis Avert unless you're getting that big piece that's instantly going to help you and you are making a good trade. So in the most part, it doesn't feel like they're going to trade Karis, and I'm sure Nash is going to want to get his hands on him, especially because we saw probably, like, the tip of the iceberg of what he could be as a point guard. Maybe Nash could show him some more things. He literally did it for, what, like, 8 to 12 games in the bubble. Maybe with Nash, he could turn into more of a natural point guard and maybe be that backup for the Nets, and maybe that makes Spencer Dinwiddie expandable. I don't know. It's a good one. It's a good one. And the last one uh, I got from Facebook, Coastal Brooklyn Kid. When was the last time an MVP player won a chip as a coach? I need to know because I want to believe one can do this. Via ESPN Stats and Info, the Brooklyn Nets naming Nash. He's the fifth former player to win multiple MVPs and become a head coach, joining Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Bill Russell, and Bob. Is it Bob Petit or Bob Pettit? Bob Pettit. Pet it. There we go. Um, thank you, Matt, for that one. I'm feel, feeling like Corey Waldron on, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in saying that, those are the names. Um, I, I, the direct correlation I would make to, to that, to Steve Nash's hiring, it feels to me there's a lot of Steve Kerr vibes to it. Despite the fact that Steve Kerr had much more experience in the front office and, and the backgrounds there, seems to me that the philosophy and, and the general basketball now that has come from Golden State uh, and the relationships there. You know, as much as, you know, Steve Nash is a two-time MVP, some people don't think he deserved the second one and Kobe Cush should have got the other one. But there's a will, there's a way. You know, history's supposed to be made and I feel like Steve Nash is going to be the one. He's going to make it. Yeah, I mean, I think you feel good about it. And just based off of all the relationships and the way he acts, you feel like it's going to be a positive experience. And at the very least, Nash is going to put everything he has into it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, plenty to get to on the next pod, guys. Uh, thanks for chatting about Steve Nash with me for, I don't know, an hour. Always good to chat. Uh, actual Nets news. And we wonder when this would happen. Uh, I'm still shocked. I'm still surprised. I'm still happy. Maybe not as happy as Matt, but maybe once <laughs> I see a picture of Steve Nash with Joe Harris, uh, I think that happiness will only grow in many, <laughs> many different ways. Always a pleasure, guys. And you can catch us on all streaming platforms. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action. There's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline has sat down with former pro athletes Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they have to say on what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Vandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Sugar Ray Leonard. 
Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.